Tomorrow is the fifth Sunday in ordinary time, and around the world, parishioners will hear a gospel message that is a favorite for us here at Salt and Light. People have gathered around Jesus. Matthew says that it's on a hillside. Jesus is teaching the people. He has just told them about how blessed the poor are and how they should rejoice because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Then he looks at them intensely and he says, You are the salt of the earth. What good is salt if it has lost its taste? And what good is light if it is hidden under a basket? You are the light of the world. This is a great message, and I like it because it is not a particularly religious message. It's not a hokey message about love, and it doesn't even mention God or sin or morality. It's very secular. We live in a world that is quite often in darkness. Just think of what's happening in Egypt right now. Many people's lives are shrouded in darkness because of addiction, abuse, despair, fear, suffering, illness, loneliness. And how do we combat that? How do we combat that darkness? With light. Easy. But you know, that may be the extreme. I actually think that most people are not in some desperate darkness. Most people just go through life, from day to day, trapped in the mundaneness of life, like that movie, Groundhog Day. Over and over again, the same routines, the same ordinary existence. They are good people, and maybe they're even happy, but their lives have lost meaning. They've lost purpose and drive. They've lost their taste. It is these bland lives that need flavor, spice, excitement, warmth, direction. And how do we give them that? With salt. Salt is the flavor that spices up life. But not a lot of salt is needed, just a dash. And not a lot of light is needed to dispel the darkness. Just one match. And this is a message that can be shared in any public school. It can be displayed in any government building because it's a secular message. Take that separation of church and state. And so, on this fifth week in ordinary time, let's make it extraordinary time. May we season the world with the flavor of the gospel and our lives be shining examples of Jesus Christ, who is the true light of the world. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara. Man, we have a great show for you today. Chris Demetrenko is here with our news headlines. Hey, Pedro. We're going to be talking about a new series of teachings that Pope Benedict launched this week. As well, there was a security breach at the Vatican, a very small security breach, you could say. Um, an archbishop has raised the question of whether we're still at the beginning of the pontificate. And while well, he's saying, yes, it's just beginning. And finally, there's a new iPhone application that could help you make a better confession. Excellent. Mm -hmm. So details of those stories coming up. Today we have uh, another new segment, Chris. This one, uh, you know how you're introducing new segments, mm -hmm. parenting, uh, what's new in Hollywood. This one is if you're looking for a good DVD to rent. Uh, our movie expert Chris Giardino is going to be here with us in about 20 minutes with his DVD picks. And we're talking about chastity today. Um, as you know, the Canadian bishops have released, a, well, two weeks ago, released a, a pastoral letter. So mm -hmm. that'll be in the second half of the program. I'll be speaking with chastity speaker and author Carmen Marcoux about the need for the bishop's letter and how we should respond to the letter. And our uh, 
featured artist of the week is singer-songwriter from uh, Southern Ontario, Carrie B. Grant. He returns as our featured artist of the week. Uh, you might recognize him when you hear his uh, great rock and rollness, because you're a rock and roll fan. Um, so um, he'll be back with us also in the second half an hour. Um, he's got a few new songs, and that's where we begin with Carrie B. Grant with his new song, Shine On. Holy ground, we stand. 
That was Carrie B. Grant with Shine On. We're going to be speaking with Carrie in the second half of the program. And in about 15 minutes, our DVD picks for the weekend with Chris Giardino. But first, Chris is still here with our news. So there's a new series uh, there, for the general audience? There is a new series. Every Wednesday, Pope Benedict gives a catechesis at the general audience with, uh, with thousands of pilgrims every week. Now, the previous series was on women saints starting in the fall. Now he's turning to doctors for inspiration, hmm. specifically the doctors of the church. And those are saints who have been recognized for contributing to our understanding of doctrine. The, first, the Pope's first choice fits both the old and the new categories. Uh, he spoke about St. Teresa of Avila, the 16th century mystic. Her most famous writing is The Interior Castle. The Pope says that St. Teresa's example encourages us to dedicate adequate time to daily prayer. And uh, St. Teresa reminds busy Catholics that time spent in prayer is not lost. I know sometimes we can all get yes. to thinking that we don't have time for this. Um, so it's a great reminder. Now, uh, however, a young boy stole the show at the general audience this week. Uh, he snuck past security and ran up to the Pope as he was seated. Now, the Vatican guards didn't haul him away. Monsignor Georg Gensfein, the Pope's personal secretary, nodded, nodded to security that it was okay. And the Holy Father spoke briefly with him before blessing him. And then the boy returned to his seat to applause from the audience. Way to steal so the show, yeah. a little bit disconcerting from the perspective of <laughs> Vatican security, and yet uh, the Pope handled it well, and, and uh, it was really a touching moment. You should go on your computer and, photos, and go. Yes. It's on YouTube. Find the photos online. It's beautiful. Yes. Now, uh, is it still too early to evaluate Benedict's pontificate? Because mm. a lot of people are trying to find ways to describe it, to characterize it, to talk about his legacy. Well, Archbishop Reno Fisichella thinks it's too early, according to a report by Catholic News Service. Now, this archbishop, he's the prefect of the Pontifical Council for Promoting New Evangelization. If you remember, that's the recently created council that oversees the re-evangelization of countries with a historic Christian presence, like Canada, for example, mm -hmm. or the United States. Archbishop B.C. Kellis says that at age 83, Pope Benedict still has a lot of unfinished business and that his top priority is improving Christian formation, uh, what the Pope has called an educational emergency. Now, the Archbishop says we shouldn't try to predict the Pope's future legacy based on recent controversies or public relation problems or anything like that. And he says, you know, we're still at the beginning of a pontificate. And, you know, the Pope's health has been strong. So Yes, it's amazing. So that's how we should be looking at things, according to Archbishop Bisichella. Now, finally, Pedro, um, a new iPhone application has received the endorsement of the Archbishop of Toronto. It's called the New Mass. It teaches you the new English translation of the Mass. That new translation will be introduced in American parishes in Advent. No date yet has been confirmed for Canada. But what about confession? Well, now there's an app for that sacrament, too. And it includes a step-by-step -step guide to confession. Users can create a password-protected a password profile. And uh, with this, that creates a personalized examination of conscience based on the user's age, gender, vocation, and last date of confession. Mm -hmm. And just like your sins in confession, all your responses to the examination of conscience are wiped out after you receive the sacrament. 
Now, I wonder, though, it's designed so that you can bring it into confession mm-hmm. and, and go through your, your list, so to speak, with the priest. I wonder, though, how priests would respond to someone uh, with their, their iPhone in the confessional if they saw it. I don't know. I presume it's the same as bringing in your 10 steps to a good confession into the confessional. I don't know. It should be, but it, should mm, be. it seems different, doesn't How it? How many priests are also doing confession with their, their iPhone or their iPad following the rite of uh, reconciliation? So who knows? We're onto something here, Chris. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to know from a... I'd like to be sure that the priest thought it was okay and thought that, knew that I wasn't just uh, sending text messages exactly. while I was there. Well, anyhow, the makers say that it's the first iPhone application to receive an imprimatur. That's a bishop's recognition that it's free from doctrinal or moral error. So that's a first. Now, you can find out more about the Confession app at, get your pens out here or your, or your iPhones, yes. uh, littleiapps.com. That's littleiapps.com. That's double P. Now, the new Mass application that I mentioned a little bit earlier, yeah. that can be found at thefaithexplained.com. That's thefaithexplained.com. Excellent. So thank you very much. Always fascinating to hear uh, news from the perspective of Chris Demetrenko, our Salt and Light Radio news producer. And a reminder to our dear listeners, if you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, we'd love to hear from you. Our email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. And in about 10 minutes, an update from Winnipeg. So stay tuned. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. My name is Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up is Mary Rose with an update from Winnipeg. But before that... our Saint of the Week with Lawrence. Hey, Pedro. So, who do we have this week? Okay, uh, tomorrow, February the 6th, on Sunday, we have St. Paul Miki. From Japan. Yeah, Japanese martyr. So, we're, we're talking about the 16th century in Japan. He was born into a wealthy Japanese family, and he became a Jesuit. So, we've talked about some of the Jesuits before, missionaries. Yes. Um, St. Francis Xavier, he was one of the first missionaries to Japan. Yep. And um, by this time, there were nearly 300,000 Christians. So it was doing quite well. In Japan. Yeah, up, uh, up to the time of uh, St. Paul Miki. So it was doing quite well. Then there were some, some hostilities between the Christians and the Japanese authorities, and they were beginning to be persecuted. So uh, Paul Miki um, was one of 26 of the first Japanese martyrs. He was crucified, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was um, actually, what happened was they forced them to walk 600 miles, from Kyoto to Nagasaki, and then um, they were crucified in Nagasaki. Uh, it was on uh, February 5th, uh, 1597. Huh. And it was from there that he preached his last sermon on the cross. Um, and uh, it was it said that he also forgave his executioners when he was crucified. Wow. Yeah, so uh, there were, you know, there were more martyrs in um, Japanese history, but these were the first, so they are the most kind of honored. The honor, were they all crucified? Uh, I don't think they were all crucified, but the but first 26 were okay, definitely so crucified. F- wow. Yeah. What a witness. Yeah. And um, then maybe like 50 years later, um, the Christians were basically driven to an underground church. Really? And um, it was only 200, 250 years later when missionaries came back around the, in the 1800s where they found this group of, of hidden Christians in, Jap- in, in Japan. Japan. It sounds yeah. like uh, the present church in China. Yeah. It's, um, it's a lot like... Um, like China nowadays. I mean, Japan now is is a democracy, so it's more mm-hmm. like the Western 
yeah. the Western countries. You know what I mean? Christianity, Catholicism is accepted, but in China, since it's communist, it's a little different. You know, you have the the church um, that's sanctioned by the the state, but then you also have the underground Catholic Church. Yeah, the real church. <laughs> yeah, so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mess. Yeah, in fact, uh, didn't uh, Pope Benedict? Uh, mentioned something about recently yeah 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 it was addressed to the uh the the diplomatic corps yeah in um yeah in january he gave his what they call i guess the state of the world president gives the state of the union yes in in the u.s he gives pope benedict gives the state of the world and um yeah he he gave a a brief little shout out to the chinese church to the underground church and how they're experiencing difficulties and yeah we should do something about uh not to take away from saint paul miki but i mean to what what he went through and the catholics in japan went through during his time it's very much being seen in the church in china right now and that church from what i know is thriving but it's very much underground yeah and, and uh and it's not it's not easy for them um so maybe we should do something on on the church in china yeah That'll be, our, That'd be one of our feature stories. Well, thank you very much, Lawrence. The Feast of St. Paul Miki is uh, tomorrow, Sunday, February the 6th. So a uh, little prayer to St. Paul, um, who was crucified. Thank you for that. Lawrence Foucault, our saint expert. Uh, Lawrence is going to be back in about 10 minutes with our TV programming highlights, so don't go anywhere. Hi, I'm Janelle, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius 159 or XM 117. To podcast our show, go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio or get it off iTunes. And to figure out what movie to rent this weekend, stick around for our DVD picks coming right up. But before that, you'll get your diocesan update right here because here's where Mary Rose is. Hi, Mary Rose. Thank you, Pedro. Now, first of all, what do you think Jesus Christ has to say about scientific research? He loves it. (laughs) A lot. Yes, he has a lot to say, according (laughs) to the Archdiocese of Vancouver. So Dr. Rob Allure, a Jesuit priest whom you know. Yes, I do know him. And a research scientist will speak on the topic of Jesus Christ in the lab, stem cells, and genomes. (laughs) That's on Wednesday, February 9th from 7 to 9 p.m. at St. Mark's College Chapel in Vancouver, the Vancouver Archdiocesan website has more details. And is being Catholic mostly about going to church on Sundays? Sometimes some people want to think so. But for sure it isn't, says the Diocese of Saskatoon. Bring it, Sunday values in a weekday world. This is the topic of the Theology on Tap for Young Adults on Monday, February 7th from, 9, from 7 to 9 p.m. at Lydia's Pub in Saskatoon. For more info, check the Saskatoon Diocesan website. And finally, the Archdiocese of Toronto invites you to an evening of prayer and reflection on scriptural passages. Join Archbishop Thomas Collins for Vespers and Lectio Divina on Sunday, February 6th from 7 to 8.15 p.m. at St. Michael's Cathedral. The Toronto Archdiocesan website has all the information. And now, what does it mean for us as Christians to be called to be stewards of the faith? The Archdiocese of Winnipeg holds stewardship as one of its priorities. So I spoke a few days ago with Dan Potvin, Director of Stewardship for the Archdiocese of Winnipeg, about their plans for instilling a stronger sense of stewardship in the Archdiocese. So, Dan, what is stewardship, and why is your Archdiocese so excited about it? Well, in 2005, Archbishop uh, James Weisgerber, in his pastoral vision, uh, building a Church of Communion, uh, identified four priorities in in attaining that vision, one being liturgy, uh, faith formation, 
community building and stewardship. And so this year, stewardship has been given a special focus across the diocese, uh, seeing as how it was identified as playing a major role in building a church of communion. And so we're quite excited about that. It's uh, uh, a year of uh, lots of education and formation. Our theme this year is Stewardship, Faith on Fire, Hearts and Minds Transformed. But, but what is that exactly, stewardship, for those who don't know? Stewardship is really rooted in Scripture and uh, church teaching, um, most uh, definitely in our baptism. Um, we are all called to be good stewards of the gifts that God gives us, uh, to use our gifts in responding to our baptismal call, to use our gifts joyfully and, and generously, and everything is a gift from God. Now you're holding a special conference to really enforce stewardship. It's at the end of October. Can you talk to us about that? Yes, this is uh, a real special event in the life of our local church, but not just the Archdiocese of Winnipeg, right across Canada. It's the Western Canadian Catholic Stewardship Conference. It's the fourth uh, one. It's held every second year. And this year we're really excited because all three archdioceses in Winnipeg are hosting at the Archdiocese of St. Boniface, the Ukrainian Catholic Archeparchy of Winnipeg, and the Archdiocese of Winnipeg. And we're anticipating um, three or four hundred people from across Canada attending this conference. Perfect. Thank you so much, Dan, for being with us. You're welcome. My pleasure. That was Dan Potvin, Director of Stewardship for the Archdiocese of Winnipeg. Their stewardship page can be accessed through the Archdiocesan website, archwinnipeg.ca. Thank you very much, Mary Rose. And to our dear listeners, let us know what's happening in your diocese. Send us an email to radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook, and you can also follow us on Twitter. And you can get everything you need right here. So let's say you're looking for a good movie to watch this weekend. You can get that here, too. And to help you with that choice, here is our movie expert. Chris Giardino with his DVD picks for this week. Welcome to Salt and Light Radio, Chris. Thank you very much, Pedro. So what do we have? Well, the first one I would like to choose is one of the top ten films nominated for Best Picture Oscar, called Winter's Bone and uh, directed by Deborah Granick. And uh, the two lead performances um, by Jennifer Lawrence and John Hawkes have also been nominated. Okay. And it details, it takes place in the Ozark Mountains of Missouri. And it's a teenage girl who's 17 years old. Her father is a crystal meth dealer and manufacturer who's been arrested by the law. What he does is he puts their house up as bail and then is nowhere to be found. What happens is the bail bondsmen come to her home and say that within 72 hours, she has to find her father or she will lose her home. Wow. Her, um, her mother's despondent, so is of very little use to her. So what you have is the story of a 17-year-old girl in the Ozarks who has to find out where her father is uh, to protect her little brother and sister over the course of uh, two or three days. Fascinating. The film is not explicitly Christian, but it does take place against um, a Christian backdrop with old hymnals in the background, old Baptist uh, prayers being said and so forth. Right. Um, so it certainly doesn't hit you over the head with any message, but there are very strong themes that I think your listeners would like, such as protecting your family, courage, um, trying to uh, protect the, uh, a young woman, protecting her siblings. And that very much comes through uh, the entire film. It's a beautifully crafted film. 
it's very minimalist, uh, but the level of tension in it is palpable, and mm-hmm. it's something that I think your viewers would probably like. Yeah, I think I'm going to like that too. Winter's Bone, okay. Um, and the other one I was going to suggest is um, a bit of a different style from a director, new director named Aaron Schneider, and it's called Get Low. This is a film that was released in the summer and stars some actors who are very popular, Bill Murray and Robert Duvall, but in different styles of roles. Um, what uh, Robert Duvall is, is he's a hermit who has lived up in the, <clears throat> excuse me, the woods for decades. Mm-hmm. And he's become this sort of local town fear-mongering practical joke. People think that, you know, there's all these stories of, you know, what has he done? What has he done? Who is easy? Killed 20 men and all of this backstories. Right. Um, as he becomes an older man and realizes he has fewer days ahead of him than behind, he wants to settle his scores. So he goes into the town, and Bill Murray plays a very low-key role as a funeral director whose business is going under. And what Robert Duvall says is, look, I have all this money hoarded. I want to have a funeral before I die where all of the townspeople can come and tell me what they think of me. <laughs> um, and so as the film proceeds, they, they go about setting this funeral party up, for lack of a better word. And what happens is it becomes a real story of redemption, uh, all the rumor-mongering that comes uh, about of what they think he has done. And, of course, when he actually has the funeral and reveals what his secret is, it's a great moment of catharsis for the character trying to be redeemed in the eyes of God um, before he passes on to the next life. Fascinating. That sounds like a great premise for a movie. Excellent. It is, and that's it on DVD in about a week. Okay, great. So we have Winter's Bone, which has been nominated for several Academy Awards, and Get Low, which will be out on DVD in about a week. Yes. Um, are these movies that uh, a whole family can watch, or are they... Um, in the case of Get Low, I would say yes, there's some mild language, but it is a PG film. Okay. Winter's Bone is a bit tougher. It was R in the States, adult accompaniment in Ontario. So that would be something that either for adults or older, more thoughtful teens. Excellent. So that's always good to know. So again, Winter's Bone and Get Low. Thank you very much. Chris, Chris Giardino is our movie expert, and he's going to be back uh, about every three weeks or so um, with uh, DVD picks. So in the meantime... Happy movie watching. Hi, this is Bob Halligan Jr. from Kaylee Rain, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. Our blog is saltandlighttv.org slash blog. My name is Pedro, and back with me now is Lawrence with our programming update. Okay, Pedro, so uh, tomorrow, uh, Sunday at... 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific, we have a new witness. Witness. John L. Allen Jr. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a Vatican correspondent for the National Catholic Re- Reporter and yes. a Vatican Allenist for CNN. And, and National- a former Salt and Light Radio guest. Yes, exactly. Important to mention that. Exactly. John so he, he knows his stuff about the yes, Vatican. he does. So that's witness tomorrow, Sunday, February 6th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific, and a repeat Thursday, February 10th, same time. Excellent. All right, we have uh, In Your Faith... Uh, Tuesday, February 8th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. This one's on Who is Jesus? Excellent episode. And so we're continuing our repeat of season one. And so we have both season one and season two available. Excellent program. Excellent director, producer, and writer on this show. Yes. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So Wednesday, February 9th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific, we have Interrupted Lives, Sisters Living Under European Communism. That's a documentary we have about... Um, Greek and Roman Catholic women religious who lived under communism um, in Eastern and Central Europe between World War II and the fall of the Berlin Wall in 
1989. Okay, so that's a documentary on Wednesday, February 9th at 8 p.m., 9 Pacific. That's right. And we have uh, an openings, a repeat, Matt Marr. Uh, this is going to be after the witness repeat of John Allen, and that's February, Febru uh, Friday, February 10th. 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 Pacific. Another, another great concert, Matt Maher, also former Salt and Light Radio guest, yeah. um, good friend. He's, uh, a lot of our Salt and Light Radio featured artists have done concerts on this concert series, Openings. So it's good to remember that Openings is on every Friday, Friday at 8.30 p.m. That's right. So Openings with Matt Maher on Friday, February 10th, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 Pacific. Great. Thank you very much, Lawrence. Thanks, lots, to, uh, lots to look forward to. Uh, good programming. Um, and remember to our listeners, if you're in the United States or outside our TV broadcasting area, no fear. You can watch all our programs streaming live at saltandlighttv.org. And coming up in our second half hour, how is the Bishop's Letter on Chastity being received? And we have a featured chat with singer-songwriter Carrie B. Grant. So stay tuned. Two weeks ago, the Canadian bishops issued a pastoral letter to young people on chastity. Now, the topic has caused quite a discussion on social networking sites, and youth leaders across the country are welcoming the message. To talk to us about how we should respond to this pastoral letter, we're joined now by chastity speaker and author, Carmen Marcou. Carmen, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Well, thank you so much, Pedro. It's really great to be here. So, Carmen, when you heard, this is even before you read the letter, but when you first heard about the letter, what was your initial response? Oh, I was just thrilled. Really thrilled to hear our bishops addressing head-on this issue because this issue touches every life. Um, you know, no matter your age or stage, youth, adult, married, single, chastity touches all our lives and it was just so great to know that our bishops are addressing and offering support for for everybody in this so you see a need for a letter like this absolutely absolutely and and to know the solidarity and and the bishops express that that they want us to know their solidarity with us because chastity while it's beautiful it can also represent a cross for many people right. and we need to support each other prayerfully and, and as a community um, in living the Christian life. And this is such an important part of the Christian life because chastity vivifies our life. It brings life to our life and, um, in a beautiful way. But as I said, it can also be a cross for many people, especially when it's misunderstood. Right now, after you read the letter, what was your response? Oh, I thought it was just beautiful. Um, again, um, as I said, I was really looking forward to the bishops expressing and offering their support and pointing to this important issue, and I felt that they did that beautifully uh, in, this, in this pastoral letter. Um, and uh, so it, it was just great to read. I think, I think one of the things that struck me maybe the most was um, that it, it states the expectations of our Catholic faith and it, and it says in it, you know, it's difficult, it's challenging, but mm -hmm. it's not impossible. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that uh, one of the problems that so many people have, and, and as Catholics, as Christians, you know, living in this culture that is so, 
you know, oversexed and, <laughs> yep. and, and sex is coming at us from every angle. That, and, and as the letter states, you know, there's a lot of confusion for people. Yeah. But, but I think that the greatest problem that we experience and that I see going out as a chastity speaker uh, promoting this message is that we live in a culture that suffers terribly from low expectations. Mm. And, and I think that, um, and I, I say this often, that right now the standards in our culture are so low you can't even trip over them. I mean, yeah. you can do anything, and it, is, it, it never is considered sinful by our culture because our culture doesn't even accept sin as a concept, right? Right. And so anything goes. So the standards are so low. I mean, you might fall into a hole, but you can't trip over them, you know. They, there's, the bar is so low. And I think that this letter is, is an opportunity to bring discussion for Catholics that the, that the standard is high. Yeah. that the expectation is high, and it, it is challenging. And Jesus says, you know, if you follow me, you'll take up your cross daily. He didn't say it's a cakewalk. Mm-hmm. He didn't say it's going to be easy. He said, you know, there's a cross involved here. But this is the standard. He didn't lower the standard. Mm-hmm. He kept the expectation high, but what he offers us is, is his spirit and his presence and his life and in, through the church and this document points to, in a few spots, the importance of living a sacramental life so that we do have the strength spiritually to achieve that standard that God, that Christ is calling us to. Right. Now, just a note for anyone that might be joining at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. My name is Pedro Guevara Man. We're speaking with uh, a chastity speaker and author, Carmen Marcoux, about the Canadian Bishop's Pastoral Letter on Chastity. Um, do you think then, Carmen, that without the message, the message of the gospel, does the chastity message make sense? No, no, because um, without the message of the gospel, we may as well just be living for this life. You know, we're here for a good time, not for a long time, <laughs> you know. Uh, without the gospel message that calls us, points to Christ, points to his death and resurrection, points to eternal life, and that is the good news, that Christ came to redeem us, to save us, so that we can share in his eternal glory. So there's no Without th- that, why would we even bother trying to live a Christian life, other than, you know, being humanitarians, and it's nice to be nice to the nice. You know, there's so much more to the gospel message, and it is that call to eternal life. So would you say that there, then there's no point in trying to get someone who's outside of the church to understand the chastity message? We might as well spend the time uh, teach, telling them about the good news and, and making sure that, they, that they're children of God first and not that they're sleeping with their girlfriend? Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what you're pointing to. I think that there is a very, at a very human level, God writes in all of our hearts. Uh, we're, we're wired for the good, the true, and the beautiful. And when we fall out of the way that we were designed in our nature, when we, when we stop li- start living not according to our nature, then problems happen. I mean, um, if, if you are living a promiscuous life, you know, whether you believe in Christ or not, you're subject to, you know, the consequences, yeah, which could be, you know... Um, it could be disease, but it can be heartbreak. It can be, you know, all kinds of yes. devastations to marriage and, and your family life and everything else. There's all kinds of personal consequences 
to living outside of the way that we are designed. Yeah. And we were designed by God, and it is written in our hearts to, to somehow, even without knowing the gospel, you know, there is that sense of, you know, we, we are subject to the consequences of sin, whether we believe in sin or not. So, obviously, promoting chastity at a, at a human level is, is important. But I think, in my experience, going around speaking, and I'm primarily speaking to, you know, I guess I'm preaching to the choir, I'm speaking to the baptized, I'm speaking to, you know, mostly in Catholic circles. But I think that um, without the message of putting Jesus into your life and being motivated to live and love passionately for him, that it is so easy to fall off of the road of purity, to fall off the road of chastity, because um, that driving force towards Jesus um, can get easily just derailed by all the temptations around us. Right. And in my experience with uh, so many who read my books that are chastity novels promoting, uh, you know, showing a, uh, through fiction an example of couples, uh, young people living out this message, that so many young people would write back, guys and girls alike, that they realized in reading my books that what they have to do is make Jesus their number one. Mm-hmm. Now, then everything else falls into place. Right. You, you, like you said, you, you do go to uh, conferences at, or schools and you speak to young people. Um, mm-hmm. What are you hearing from young people about their struggles with chastity? Um, I, I think part of it is... Um, you know, there's a sense of pressure. There's a sense of, you know, you're not normal if you're not in some way sexually active or at least having a boyfriend or girlfriend or in some sort of romantic relationship. So mm-hmm. I think there's just this cultural expectation. And and, and <laughs> I was talking to a young person just the other day, and she said, you know, I mean, you go to a family function for that matter, and your aunties are saying, so do you have a boyfriend? And I mean, you're six years old, you're eight years old. And and in some ways it's playful, but you, you still see it in the schools. These kids are coupling up at really young ages. There's some sort of, you know, written in the culture an expectation that you have to couple up. Yeah. So when I come in and I bring this message, of course there are some, some young people who are going to go, Phew, you know, I'm not interested, I'm not interested. But for the 5, 10, 15, 40, whatever young people in that crowd that, you know, are, have ears to hear what I'm saying, they come up to me afterwards and say, thank you for, for setting us, you know, for giving us permission. It, because there's, in chastity, in purity, is a message of freedom. Mm-hmm. You are free to be all you were created to be. And one of the things that I really try to encourage young people to is embracing the gift of their singleness through enjoying friendships. And not worrying about the dating scene, not getting involved in romantic relationships at a really young age. Just embrace friendship and embrace the gift of your singleness and be all that you can be. Don't get bogged down by the emotional and physical entanglements that come with relationships when you're really young. Enjoy friendships. You know, the girl who has a boyfriend has one guy to be with and there's all kinds of emotional, you know, pressure there because... Is he looking at other girls? Does he still like me, etc.? The girl who doesn't have a boyfriend is free to be friends with all kinds of guys. Absolutely. And she can enjoy that re- those relationships at, at a level that, where there's no pressure for her to be anything but herself. Absolutely. And so 
so so many young people when you come and you articulate this message they 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 do sense it uh, of course there's some kids who who just are closed to it but there are other kids who are just set free by that message and and i think that's the exciting part of what i do is when you see young people embrace that freedom they really do become leaders and i have seen these kids now over the last 10 years of our ministry well almost 10 years of our ministry when I've gone out working and talking and emailing back and forth and staying in contact, now these kids have gone from high school through university or post-secondary, whatever they're doing, training, onto marriage and now starting families of their own. And they're coming back and saying to me, thank you, thank you that I didn't suffer all of those problems that I saw so many of my peers going through because you came into my life or your books came into my life at that time when there was so much confusion about relationships and I stuck to the path of purity and I held on to, you know, that freedom that comes from it. Yeah. And, and they do become leaders in our, in our world, e- even if they're not the most popular kid in high school. You, you know, life doesn't end at the end of high school. It goes on far beyond that. And these kids really, even in high school, shine. They do mm-hmm. become leaders. Mm-hmm. Well, Carmen, that's really, really good advice. That's all the time we have, though. So we have to leave it there. But thank you so much for your thoughts and uh, your, your wisdom on this. Okay. Well, thank you so much. It was great to be here. Great. So Carmen Marcoux is the author of the popular teen novels Arms of Love and Surrender. She's also a speaker and a wife and a mother of nine. You can read her blog, Peer Witness, at her website, courtshipnow.com. She joined us on the phone from her home in Saskatoon. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Carrie B. Grant, with his version of the old classic, That Old Rugged Cross. Oh 
That was Carrie B. Grant with that old rugged cross. Last we spoke to Carrie B. Grant, we learned about his past and his addictions and how he came to the faith. Well, Carrie's journey has continued, and with that journey has come two new recordings. And to tell us about them and about what he's been up to, we're joined now by Carrie B. Grant. Carrie, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Welcome back, I should say. Thank you. Thank you, Pedro. So that song, I love that old rugged cross. The, the beginning of the song, it's your dad singing? Yeah. Uh, the inspiration out of that came, uh, I, I was going to do uh, a classic hymn. I had done Amazing Grace uh, once before, and I yeah. wanted to uh, do a classic hymn, and I was going to do it with an acoustic guitar and put it on YouTube. And uh, I threw that idea out to some people, and and out of that idea, somebody said, "Well, I'll uh, front you some money to take that into the studio and do a, a do it in the studio. It's a public domain song, so yeah, I brought it into the studio, and um, they, they all uh, out of that, I I thought, oh, maybe I'll involve uh, some people in my family play music as well, involve a few people from my family to be part of the song, uh, invite them." And that was, uh, I invited them and they, they agreed. They were happy about it, excited about it. And uh, so I, I went into the studio with my some of my family involved. Cool. The song too, so, so wait, so then that recording, the, the beginning with your dad is not, an, is that an old recording or did he re-record that with you now? Well, we did that, um, we did that in the studio. He did that uh, live in the studio and then we put a, oh, okay. a downloaded a sort of a scratchy uh Right. Record okay. sound to give it that rustic sort of. Okay, sound. I thought that he had recorded it like forty years ago. No, he That's he so actually cool. he's never recorded before, so he was very uh, happy and impressed, and because I, I think any musician would like to do something like that, so it was a nice gift to him. So it touched he, his heart. I know it did because I I know him really well, and and it was a pleasure to watch me to watch him play. I really enjoyed watching him do that. Now, I know that when you recorded your last album, Free to Fly, you say that you, you went back to your musical roots. Did kind of connecting back with your family and your, with, particularly with your dad, not, not connecting with him because he, you know, he's your dad, but um, did, was, was that part of it, sort of still kind of going back to your, your roots as a, as a singer or as a songwriter? Well, that, uh, it's funny, David's a clever guy and, and um, the Holy Spirit speaks through him. When the Holy Spirit says something... A phrase can just keep coming back to you, and God can use that phrase and keep touching you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the past few years, it it has been my roots. My family remember, you know, you get ideas out of where you came from and and uh, how, the styles of music you started with. And so I I uh, dwelled into that a bit more. And and he said, uh, just go into your basement and crank up your guitar and start playing without any sort of inhibition. Just 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 let yourself go and don't even try to control the words that come out of your mouth and record that. Yeah. And so uh, with no one around, that's a little easier to do yeah. than uh, maybe on a street corner. Yeah. And uh, so I did that and, and, it, and then re-listened to it after it was done. And so that was uh, an interesting technique that he showed me to, and out of that we pulled snippets that spontaneously sounded that sounded the way you know that hooked us yeah and we built songs out of that so this is you're talking about david is your producer yes okay yeah now, and, and i guess roots also i i started playing like i played country 
uh, I, I played old rock and roll, 50s rock and roll, yeah. and blues songs. And I, get, I guess I get caught up in this mode that I have to play uh, really complicated uh, music with lots of chords to impress people and stuff. And I mean, that's all good. And, uh, and, and I get, uh, sometimes I feel in, in, I don't know what the word is, uh, not insecure, but, uh, you know, that I, I'm not that, you know. Yeah. I, I, I'm not, uh, there's so many good musicians out there. And so I, I um, started playing the stuff that I started out with, and that's what I play um, naturally. Right. And so uh, something comes out of that. God can move through that, and because uh, there, there is an, uh, a natural thing, and, and stuff comes out of that that's, uh, that people pick up on, and and, uh, and, uh, and it's all good, you know. It seems yeah. to have a good uh, vibe around I it. think so, and that's the beauty of all those old hymns and stuff, that there's just very simple chords. Uh, and and there's something that speaks to people because of the simplicity. I agree completely. Oh yeah, and some of the lyrics in those old songs are incredible. They're yeah. beautiful. You know, yeah, they're, they're kind sure. of timeless. Every once in a while, some a song will pop through that is a really unusual song that three or four generations can re-record and. And there's something about that song. Yeah. Um, Carrie, just a note for anyone that might be joining at this time. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm your host, Pedro Guevara. Man, we're speaking with our featured artist of this week, Carrie B. Grant. Now, Carrie, I, thinking about your roots and where you started made me think that somehow the, the, your evolution as an artist is reflected in, in your albums. Um, you started with an album called A Beggar Without His Bride. Why is it called that? Uh, well, there's a connection between uh, the Christians, the bride, and, and, and the church, and yeah. Jesus returning, and us coming to Him, and you know our salvation. But and also at that time, I went through uh, a very traumatic time where I went through a divorce. Yeah. And, uh, and so that uh, there are some things that uh, popped out of that, came out of that uh, turmoil. Yeah. And uh, so. Um, uh, you know, both of the, those ideas integrated together. Right. And then your next album was called More of You and Less of Me. Yes. Was that also reflective of what was happening in your life in terms of maybe getting deeper and deeper in your relationship with Christ? Yeah, and just, and, um, yeah, striving to, to please Jesus mm. and, um, and, uh, and wanting to, in the lyrics and songs that I do, you know, and, and then learning that, uh, you know, I just believe that he just is so pleased uh, if we come to him, you know, that, like uh, come to him already, he's, he's happy and pleased, and so that I don't have to strive as much. Right. And, and uh, being more comfortable and not to in, in an evolution where I'm naturally trying to, trying to portray my natural self, just who I am. Because I had a hard time with that, with addiction. I, I uh, drug and drank yeah. because I didn't feel myself. I didn't feel secure. And so once you snap out of that, there's a whole, you know, you just go for a 360-degree turn. Yeah. God takes you for a ride where he's, his love transforms in and just gets you thinking differently, you know? Yeah, and then that, that transformation, that, I guess, security or that freedom, it's funny because then your next album was called Free to Fly. So there you there you have it. Nice uh, little evolution of uh, the journey of and of Carrie B. Grant. Um, Carrie, you have I know that you've recorded two new songs. We've heard "Shine On" and, and "Rugged Cross." Mm -hmm. um, anything new? Any new albums on the works? 
I have about 15, 16 songs on my wall in my little basement studio yeah. that uh, I'm, uh, I would love to, uh, I can't wait to get recorded, I guess the right time. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm working on those uh, as uh, you know, time goes on. And, and these last two songs, the, the old Rugged Cross is the most recent yes. that I've done. Yeah, and it's uh, kind of a it's a blues tune with a bit of country in there. It's and great, a yeah. Sound to it as well. It's great. So uh, lots to look forward to. Uh, make sure you let us know when that new album comes out. I will. Okay, Carrie, that is all the time we have. But thank you so much. It's been good to reconnect with you and to listen to what you're doing. Uh, all the best. Thank you, Pedro. God so bless you. Thank you. Carrie B. Grant, you can find him online at carriebgrant.com. You can also find him. He's got his own YouTube channel youtube.com slash carrie b grant um lots of lots of good stuff there lots of really neat videos too so check it out carriebgrant.com here now is carrie with a a song that needs no introduction listening to Carrie B. Grant with his rendition of Amazing Grace. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light radio programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where we post links to our artists or guests. Go visit their website and buy their products. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all we do at saltandlighttv.org. And to follow us closely, go to Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for your support for your prayers and your financial contributions. We completely rely on your generosity to do our work. And so your support is greatly appreciated. Thank you and may God bless you. I'm Pedro Guevara Man and this has been Salt and Light Radio. We first begun.